Welcome back to Ask God 365, where we seek to answer life's difficult questions. Our topic today is, what is the clearest gospel of all? And we seek to dive into Romans chapter 9. And the first topic we'll discuss is Paul's deep concern for his fellow Jews. And that will take us from verses 1 through 5. Paul says, having expounded the glorious truths of the gospel to you Christians at Rome, I would like to share with you my deep concern for my fellow Jews. Realizing the negative reports you've been hearing about me, how I've turned against God's law, the temple, and my own Jewish people, Acts 21 verse 28, I would like you to get the facts straight. Contrary to these false reports, I am telling you the absolute truth. As a Christian whose conscience is controlled by the Holy Spirit, I am not lying. Deep down in my heart, I am full of grief and greatly burdened about the eternal destiny of my own Jewish nation. Believe me, I am willing to be actually cut off from Christ and be eternally lost if this would in any way bring salvation to my people, who by birth belong to Israel, the nation privileged to be called God's covenant people, who were blessed with his unique presence during the Exodus, and to whom he made special covenants, giving them his law and his wonderful plan of salvation through the sanctuary service, plus many precious promises. Furthermore, Being descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they have been greatly blessed. Above all, it was through them that Christ, the Son of God, came in the flesh to be the Savior of the world. May God's name be praised forever, seeing he must get the credit for all these blessings. Amen. The next section is entitled, Who Constitutes True Israel? And this covers verses 6 through 13. The fact that the Jewish nation no longer constitutes God's church today does not mean that God has failed to keep his promise made to Israel through the patriarchs and prophets. For the truth of the matter is that not everyone who happens to be a Jew really belongs to God's spiritual Israel. Just as not all descendants of Abraham The Arabs, for example, belong to the nation of Israel. But the promise made to Abraham was, only those who are in the line of Isaac, that is, born of God, are qualified to be part of Israel. In other words, it is not the natural descendants of Abraham, or Isaac for that matter, who comprise God's people. But it is those who have experienced the new birth through faith in his promised son, that constitute true Israel in God's sight. For according to scripture, this is how God fulfilled his promise of a son to Abraham. First, God waited almost 25 years until Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. And when it was impossible for Abraham to produce a child through Sarah, God said to him, after he had entered into a faith covenant with Abraham through through circumcision, About this time next year, I will bless Sarah with a son. Genesis 17. Thus, Isaac, 
the promised son, represents or is the prototype of all who, like him, are born of God through faith in Christ. But this is not all. Even Isaac's wife, Rebecca, who had conceived twins, had an experience that reveals a vital truth. Even before the twins, Esau and Jacob were born, while they were still in her womb and therefore had not yet done anything good or bad in order that it might be clearly established that it is by God's grace and calling we are saved and not our performance, God said to Rebekah, the elder, your firstborn, will serve the younger. Genesis 25, 19-23. This was in complete contradiction to Jewish tradition. But God did this to show that salvation is based on his sovereign will and not on one's natural inheritance or human lineage. This all agrees with the statement of Scripture, Jacob I have accepted, but Esau I have rejected. God's sovereign will, verse 14 through 18. Does this mean God was playing favorites or that he was being unfair to Esau? Certainly not. God is never unfair in any of his dealings. Actually, no one deserves salvation. But as God declared to Moses, who I have mercy and compassion on, it is my prerogative and not a human right. Therefore, I can bestow it on whomsoever I want. In reality, Salvation was offered to both Esau and Jacob. But in God's foreknowledge, he knew Esau would despise his birthright or salvation in Christ, while Jacob would cherish it. Hence, it was not really God who rejected Esau, but vice versa, and God only complied. Hebrews 12, 15 and 16. Therefore, salvation is not ours, but is not ours, by native right or inheritance. Neither is it something we can earn, either by choice or effort, but rather an unmerited favor based entirely on God's sovereign mercy and unconditional love. Titus 3, verses 4 and 5. And to prove his sovereignty, we read in the Old Testament what God said to Pharaoh. I allowed you to become the most powerful ruler in the ancient world for the express purpose of displaying my own greater power when I delivered the Jews from Egyptian bondage. By this, all mankind would realize there is none like me. Therefore, man is totally dependent on God's sovereign will for his eternal hope, and God has the perfect right to have mercy on whomsoever he wants or to reject whomsoever he wills. The next section, God's sovereign will and man's free choice, verses 19 through 29. I know, Paul says, exactly how some of you intellectuals will respond to this. You will say, if everything depends on God's sovereign will, he has to be responsible for anyone's damnation, seeing we humans have no choice in the matter. Such a remark is preposterous. How can we created beings dare to question our all-wise and all-knowing creator? For example, does not the potter have absolute sway over his clay? 
to make the same lump one vessel for royal use while another for menial or common use? Likewise, God's authority is absolute. However, in order to show his great displeasure against unbelief and exploitation, he revealed his mighty power against the Egyptians after having shown much patience with these proud, self-centered, self-asserted people who by their deliberate rejection of the God of heaven clearly demonstrated they deserved destruction. But at the same time, God was merciful and patient with the enslaved Israelites, revealing through them his unconditional and self-emptying agape love, demonstrating to the world that he does not anyone to he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants all to turn away from their sins. Second Peter three verse nine. That in fact is our situation. All of us who have positively responded to his saving grace in Christ, irrespective of whether we are Jews or Gentiles, since salvation is God's gift to all mankind and not just the Jews. This is not my opinion, but God himself made it clear through the prophet when he declared in Hosea 2, verse 23, those who do not belong to literal Israel will one day be called my people. And the Gentile nations that were not considered my covenant people will be called my beloved. And instead of being told you do not belong, they will be called sons and daughters of the living God. Hosea 1 verse 10. For as the nation of Israel, the prophet Isaiah had this to say, even though Israel's population multiplies beyond human uh, computation, like the sand of the sea, only a few of them, that is, those who believe, will be saved. And because unbelief is becoming rampant, God will step in and end human probation, executing judgment of all unbelievers. Isaiah 10, verses 22 and 23. In fact, as Isaiah prophesied earlier, if the Lord of eternal rest, the Sabbath, does not step in, even the Christian church will become like Sodom and Gomorrah, completely depleted of true believers. Isaiah 1, verse 9. Judaism and the Gospel. So this is the real situation concerning my people, the Jews. The Gentiles, who realized they could not save themselves by their own good works, have obtained righteousness. Let me repeat. The Gentiles, who realized they could not save themselves by their own good works, have obtained righteousness, the true righteousness that saves, that comes from God and is made effective by faith alone. While the Jews, who thought they could save themselves by keeping God's holy law, have failed miserably. And why have they failed? Not because they have not tried, but because they refuse to recognize God's way of salvation, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. Consequently, they have not only failed, but the righteousness of Christ has become an insult to their own self-righteousness. God, foreseeing this predicted this very thing when he declared, Look, I place in Zion, or Israel, a stumbling block that will become an offense 
to the self-righteous Jews. But whosoever realizes their sinfulness and the value of this rock, Jesus Christ, and believes in him will not be disappointed on judgment day. Isaiah 28, verse 16, and Philippians 3, 7 through 9. May the Lord add his blessing to his word.